0: because I'm thirsty. (laughs) We we don't have nearly as good preamble when we're not thirsty. Why are you thirsty? A, I got my beer delivery today, and B, it's been a long day and I'm thirsty. (laughs) All right, well, let's get right to her then. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to repair your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Yes, we do. Are you reading that or you've just got it dialed now? So, so we're like on, he finally has it dialed. <laughs> so we're on Zoom, of course, because we're still distancing ourselves. I was wondering if you could see my eyes scanning the page <laughs> of the camera. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's just one of those things I'm not saving brain space for. So uh, we are all separate again. It's Money Mechanic with you this evening. I am the accountant. And I'm the economist. And I have a very special beverage tonight. Uh, we have a good friend, listener in Manitoba and they sent us some beers and they sent enough beer. They sent us enough beer for all of us to have one. But since you're not here, I'm going to, it might be like a three, four show, new beers every show from Winnipeg, from Manitoba. I don't know I'm if you feel feeling a little ripped that. off here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: You should have put it in the mail and had it on our next episode. <laughs> well, I'm having one of them because there
0: was actually four, so you might still get one. Wow. Jerk move. Yeah. So, Thank hey, well... Ten. Shout out to the listener that sent these beers out to us. Thank you very much. And the one I'm going to have tonight is from Fort Gary Brewing Company. Uh, it's called the Portage and Main India Pale Ale. I figured you guys wouldn't like the IPA. I better drink it. <laughs> such a jerk. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> All incredible right. what's going on. Yeah. Well, I feel safe because we're physically distanced. <laughs> yeah. There's right. no reprisals. You're yeah. lucky. All right. So, all aboard with this West Coast-style IPA featuring high-quality malted barley and whole West Coast and Manitoba flower hops. This IPA was brewed specially with whole hops to give it an amazing 60 IBU, a strong refreshing aroma of citrus fruits, 6.5% uh, alcohol, well, and a rich golden appearance. So, cheers. What do you guys cheers. got?
2: I got a uh, Hoyne IPA,
0: Hoyne delivered to my house today. Which was lovely. Yeah, now this must be happening all across Canada, but it is definitely there's been a boom in local booze delivery.
2: Yeah, it's the best. I, I did an online purchase last night and at
1: like noon today, a guy showed up with my beers. Nice. Now, that IPA doesn't have a special name. No, it's called Hoin Brewing IPA. No blurb? No blurb. Rough. Yeah, sorry. Even, I, I don't have a lot to help you with on this one. Even rougher. My beer delivery did not arrive today. Ooh, oh, So I'm drinking uh, stores Rusty Ridge Zinfandel. Oh, you're on the wine <laughs> again. Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay, yeah. Wine train. This one's actually uh, commercial, though. Right, right. It's from Ca- California, and it does have a blurb. Uh, the grapes for this Zinfandel were grown into very old, gnarly vine vineyards on the foothills of the Santa Clara Valley. Given their advanced age and hillside advantage, those vines have produced an intensely flavored wine filled with notes of ripe raspberry, plum, alpine strawberries, and alpine strawberries. No no fourth thing. The stores family creates only limited releases from carefully selected California coastal vineyards. Oh. And you can taste the plums. Okay. Or at least I can.
0: There you go. How's uh how's that beer over there mechanic? <laughs> you saw my face, eh? Yes. Uh it's got a fair amount of bitterness to it. It's definitely a, a bitter mm-hmm. IPA. Uh, I'm not getting a a ton of the citrus nose that they claimed, but I mean that may maybe a little bit of uh subjective judgment these days because some of them just have just a ton of nose, so it's easy to say it doesn't have it, but it's uh it's drinkable. You yeah. so, know. Well, so you don't you rate it. It's not I wouldn't if I had the opportunity to buy it again, I wouldn't buy it again. But maybe it'll grow on you. Oh, it usually does. I mean, most it was first beer of the day, you know.
2: <laughs> I have a hard time believing that's your first beer of the day. <laughs> it is five PM, we
0: should note. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you I told you guys, life hasn't really changed a whole lot around here for me. So it's I'm not taking right. I'm not taking advantage of this being home all day and cracking into the beers at noon, you know. Oh, I, I wish thought I you could. were going back to work or something. Yeah, I might have to do a couple of night shifts. That seems not coast-fi.
1: That seems like night shifts.
0: It's, it's <laughs> because of social distancing. I said I wouldn't go when anybody else was there. Okay. So, so I, it is coast-fi. I made the choice. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it was a request whether I would come in or not. And I said, well, I'm reluctant at this point. But if you really need me, then I'll arrange the schedule so that I'm available.
1: Have you made your spray disinfectant so you can disinfect the helicopter?
0: <laughs> well luckily <laughs> we whole helicopter. Yeah, we wear gloves all the time. So and I'm, I'll only be pulling an engine out. So uh that gets really hot. I think it'll be okay. So you're not going to lick the helicopter. No, I never I never have. <laughs> I don't know what goes on at your work. Well, I'm, nobody knows what goes on at your work either, so we're all fair. I That's didn't right. know what he did for the first Five years, I knew him. (laughs) All right, let's get down to business here. Uh, As usual, we're woefully underprepared. Um, It's been, I think everybody can just kind of feel that life's just a little different and everything's just a little bit off right now, whether it's being home with your spouse all the time, not being at work and chatting with people. And, you know, you'd think I'd have a ton of time to read every FI article that every blogger was putting out right now, but I haven't even really been doing that a whole bunch. There's no more time. (laughs) Yeah. More time's not a thing. If anything, no. there's less time now. Exactly. I like that one that's going around where people are saying, "No, I, over the last seven years, I thought it was because I didn't have enough time. That's why I didn't clean my house. And now it's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Apparently, it's just because I don't want to."
1: Speaking of things you don't want to do, you got quite the COVID beard going on there. Oh
2: yeah, no, I'm going uh, no shave quarantine. <laughs> so this Impressive. thing's
0: really getting a little out of hand. Yeah. You're just really going to miss your playoff run beard this year. So you had to come up with another idea. Well, there are no playoffs. So <laughs> I had to come up with something. All right. We answered a few, uh, listener emails. Do you want to, you apparently need to pick on me for, uh, my response last episode. Yes. So when
2: you were making fun of me for not replying to my emails, I actually got an email back as confirmation to tell you that, yes, I do respond to my emails. <laughs> Perfect. Well, That's good to hear. Um, And so one fun thing that I learned that might be useful for listeners that I was not aware of is Tangerine will not give you a HELOC on a rental property. Oh, right. Because that was the part of the discussion was getting the HELOC for the rental. Right. So apparently the, I didn't realize this because I've never had a problem with it, but apparently the contingencies to get a HELOC on rental properties is much stricter than on your principal residence.
0: Interesting. So, do they have? They won't give it to you at all, or do you need some ridiculous like fifty percent of the value? Or? They won't give it to you at all. They just don't issue helocs on. That's one
2: bank. That's one bank. And yeah, I lo- I looked in. Like, um, this is what the Listen. person I was. Yeah, the, what the listener was saying. And uh, I don't know if he's okay with me using his name or not. So I'm not going to, you know, throw it out there. He's but the listener. He's the listener. <laughs> yes. And yeah, he was saying that Tangerine will not do that. So interesting for anybody that does has a mortgage through Tangerine or does their banking through Tangerine that if you have a rental property, they will not put a HELOC on it. And you're saying also that in general the- I then yeah, so then I looked into a couple other banks and I saw a couple, like I don't think Coast Capital, like I will do it, one of the local credit unions around here. So I guess it's not as common for
0: banks to be willing to do that. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess at that point if you're trying to do a HELOC on a rental property, the assumption from the financial institution is that you were intending to borrow more without technically having to qualify. They've already pre-qualified you. at their loan to value. I, yeah, I suppose that might be part of it. I mean, I'm sure it's all some
2: kind of risk calculation that they have baked in, but... For sure. Interesting.
0: One of the other uh, comments and uh, emails that we were discussing with a listener was regarding REITs real estate investment trusts. So we'll have a little chat about those because we haven't really done a whole lot of investigation into those on the show before. That's our topic tonight. Because I mean, they've been doing so well lately. Haven't they though? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why I think it might be a, a bit of an interesting thing to talk about because We all just talk about our normal index ETFs, right? Or for those those listeners that are into their dividend stocks, REITs kind of have a sort of different position in the portfolio that is a little different from both of those types. And the question is, do you need them? And if you do, which ones do you need? Which ones do you want? And how much and where should you keep them, right? These are kind of like some basic questions that we could probably cover without being experts because this is for Entertainment purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. So basically the question was, is uh, from the email was, do you guys recommend any REITs? And of course we don't really recommend anything, but the, to be aware for listeners that there's, there are indexes that have REITs in them as well. Indexes yes. where they Only product is REITs, right? Correct. Yes, it's a REIT REIT
2: index. I think XRE is the iShares REIT index and VRE is the Vanguard REIT index. Yes. Are those international? No, those are Canadian REIT indexes.
0: And ZRE is the BMO one. Okay, right. And I I wasn't aware of that. Those are the three popular ones anyway. For Canadian REITs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So before we kind of talk about those individually, maybe we'll just start a little bit higher up here and a little top-down discussion about, you know, a REIT is. And uh, Mr. Accountant, you seem to like your REITs, so do you want to sort of give us yes. a brief overview of what a REIT is and how it works? Well, a REIT is a real estate investment trust and it's essentially
2: becoming a hassle-free landlord. There are lots of different types of REITs. Um, most REITs will pay out monthly distributions along with, you know, to kind of mirror the monthly rent they're getting. You've got industrial REITs, you've got residential REITs, you've got commercial REITs, you've got you know, office REITs, there's a broad spectrum of what they are. And there's a lot of two like a Canadian real estate investment trust, but all the assets they hold are in Europe or all the assets they hold. So it's kind of misleading to be like, oh well I need to buy one in the US to be more diversified. Like just because you own a Canadian REIT doesn't mean that your assets aren't spread out globally.
1: Okay. So the assets in the Canadian indexes are going to be worldwide. Depending
0: what REITs are held within that index, right? Okay, right. Well, um, we we talked about uh, ERE, so it's European residential REIT. The count and I were talking about that a little while ago, and they have all their properties are based in. I don't have it in front of me, but um, Denmark, Netherlands, that yes. part of Europe, I believe. Yeah, and the one thing. I know this it gets a little complicated for people because it's it's a little bit like picking a stock or picking a dividend stock because I've always gone into the website of the particular REIT then we're talking about individual ones right now to buy. Yes. I've yep. gone in and looked at what their properties are and they're all very well done. all their websites have a lot of information for investors. And I'm not gonna say that I, I got too crazy at all at it, but it just gives me a general idea of where their properties are based. Uh, whether they're in the US, Canada, overseas, what kind of properties they have, like the account was saying, are they residential properties? Are they commercial? Are they industrial? So that's the only way that I can kind of make a decision along with some basic numbers of whether I like that or not. Yes. And I mean, the one thing that we
2: should put as a caveat in here is that REITs do not pay out qualified dividends. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. That's a good they, point. They pay out other income. And so if you're going to hold REITs, you want them within your TFSA or your RRSP um, because you want them to be te- tax sheltered because there is no tax advantages to those distributions.
0: That's a good point. Is, is some of them pay out, do they pay out return of um, return of capital as well? Some will pay
2: out return of capital. The odd one will pay out capital gains, but right. um, for the most part...
0: Will some pay capital gains and...
2: Yeah, um, some will have a blend right, of different things. Right, but yeah,
0: yeah. That's why having it tax sheltered or in your TFSA is it's not gonna matter. Yeah, it's not gonna matter, which is why you wanna hold those assets in there. Yeah, because in your non registered account it's they're gonna be taxed.
1: Now, money mechanic, don't you hold one where they do return capital? That's how they pay out monthly.
0: Yeah, that's the private REIT. I was going to kind of finish off with those a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, the private REIT that I invested in, their distribution is return of capital. And now that's tax advantageous because it's in a non-registered account. So that right? one you would want to hold in it. If, so then- if you
1: held a REIT that m- the main payout was return of capital. Yeah,
2: which is then going to reduce your cost base. And then what you're going to have is you're going to have to, like when you sell, you'll have a larger capital gain. Is the tax rate on return of capital $0? Yeah, no taxes on return of capital. But let's say you bought a stock in a REIT for $100 and you received a yeah. dollar of return of capital. Well, now your yeah. cost basis is $99, not 100 sure. So when you go to sell that later, there's going to be that extra dollar of capital
1: gains. And at some point, if you hold it long enough, eventually you're going to have to, start paying, it's going to be change from return of capital. Presumably. You
2: know, if you get to a negative cost basis,
0: then yeah, you have.
2: I guess that's the goal. You've got a whole new set of problems.
0: Yeah. <laughs> good ones though. Well, so. good, yeah, good ones. Good, good problems to have. But yeah, and I, we could get into a whole nother discussion. That's probably one we should have on the show is about adjusted cost base when you start getting into non-registered investments and how to track that and how to calculate that. Right. So, well, we'll save that for another episode, but let's put write that in the books of one something we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. So, getting back to the the bigger REITs, we determined that you can hold there's I don't even know how many there are on the on the TSX to be perfectly honest with you, but there's lots and they do hold they're geographically widespread, right? And they hold yep. different as, asset classes as we mentioned whether Different types of real estate, I guess I should say, whether it's office, commercial, industrial. Now, I've been, I've been attempting to pick a few individual ones in my yep. TF, TFSA. So I've picked a residential one, and I've got a commercial one, and I've got an office one, and an industrial one, and the European one. So trying to get a little bit of each of the sectors because I don't want to pay any fees for an index. Right. And let's be pretty clear here. I'm not talking about a giant position in my portfolio. Right. Um, I think
2: one other thing too to mention is that they've been getting, most REITs have been getting absolutely hammered um, because of the credit risks, obviously, that are going on right now and people being terrified of not being able to pay rent on these spaces. But I think you have to look at the fact that different REITs behave differently in terms of those things. Like a REIT that isn't that highly leveraged and is in like a shipping space right now, you know, if it's a warehouse REIT and it holds all of Amazon products, well, it's just as busy as it ever was and it's not going to not get paid.
0: Yeah. And it's tanking too? At, well, well, they I mean, all are. The
2: whole market's tanking. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's why the REITs is an interesting discussion right now is because they've been really, really hard hit because nobody's really sure how this is all going to play out with with rental People being able to pay afford the rents, whether it's from a business point of view or a personal point of view, right? And so, and I mean, that's the thing is some of them are starting
2: to look really attractive because they've been hit worse than the market has. That's and right. Look at I look at some of these REITs and they're trading at three or four dollars a share, and they were at fifteen or sixteen a month ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. do we do we really think that the building values,
1: like the land values and the building values, have eroded that much in a month? Probably not. Eh? Don't REITs generally trade below the value of their holdings?
0: Depends. They're right, really it should depends. be right around. Should the, now, the, it should okay. be right around it. So, that's one of the metrics that they use is, is called the net asset value. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, that's the net asset value of all the real estate that that REIT owns. And then you're paying the price. I mean, these are market traded items, so there's some market pricing fit into them as well, but you can look at the current price and see what the net asset value price is and know whether you're paying a premium or a discount. Yeah. I think
1: generally they're either all going to be below or a majority will be below and a ma- or a majority will be below above. Right. Like depending and on market conditions,
2: right? Totally depends. Yeah. And right now most are under their NAV or right. net asset
0: value. Yeah, Right. So you're, you're buying a piece of all the, that property ownership, at a discount to what it was, the land is currently assessed at. Yes. I mean, we don't know what, of course we don't know how that's gonna change over the next year or two, but right. like any of our investments, these are long-term positions that I want to have a little piece of real estate without having the effort of being a landlord. And I expect properties in Canada and international locations to continue to appreciate at least around inflation. Yeah. Right. And I mean, the nice thing with a lot of REITs is
2: also, is that payout cash flow? Right? Like you're gonna get monthly cash flow from yeah. most of these REITs, which for people going into retirement and wanting cash flow, obviously you want to make sure that you do your due diligence and that the payout ratio is safe and all that, like you would with dividends. But again, people, a lot of people use it as a way to get some monthly cash flow that they know they can count on.
1: Now, you mentioned REITs with uh, low uh, leverage. As being safer. Is there some risk to some high leveraged REITs? Well, of course, it's the same risk as if you bought a rental
2: property with high leverage, right? Right. If you've only got 5% equity into a rental property, I mean, you're carrying a ton of risk there without having equity in it.
1: So when you look at your REITs, what sort of uh, ratio are you looking for? (sighs) Well, hard. do Do you actually look at the...
2: Leverage ratio or do you look out their Payout ratio. A lot of the times I'm looking at the payout
1: ratio and the debt coverage ratio. Yeah. So you you might not know the leverage ratio in of in an investment you make.
0: Why why are you going
1: to ask such as, hard questions? Yeah,
2: I'm not as concerned with it <laughs> as I am with, you know, what is the like I more want to look at what are rents and what are you know what is the debt service cost.
1: Well, I mean in Vancouver Island, we had the REIT horror story, up close and personal, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking the questions,
2: right? Yes. Well, that's fair. And and that is where private
0: investment can be a little dicey. Yeah. Well, let's stick to publicly traded REITs because most of us on our FI journey, that's where we're going to be putting some money if we've got some room in the RSP or TFSA, right? Absolutely. So so if you're not comfortable with a lot of the terms we've been throwing around, like you know the debt coverage ratio, the Dividend coverage ratio, we shouldn't call it dividend, distribution coverage ratio. You know, these are the things that if you want to get into it and try and pick the ones that you like, then do, do your due diligence, do some reading and learn how to read those metrics. Now, one of the things we talked about earlier was the easier way or maybe the index way that fits with our model of investing in FI community is these uh, index read indexes. Uh, One thing I wanted to bring up before we get too far into those is, I can't actually have to look up um, ZRE here, but I know the big difference between XRE, which is the iShares, and the VRE, which is Vanguard, is the Vanguard one is cap-weighted. So what that means for the listeners is that it holds a proportionate amount of the largest REIT first. And then, yes. then moves down the list, right? Whereas the XRE, iShares, is equal weighted. So it's chosen whatever it is, the top 25 REITs and holds an equal percentage of all of them. Yeah. And for that, for that reason, I am in XRE yeah. and not VRE. Well, and it matters because when you look at the size of um, CAR, which is the Canadian Apartments Read, or RioCan, they're gigantic in relation to the other ones. So you've got a disproportionate amount of exposure to those particular holdings. Well, it's actually proportionate, isn't it? Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, you're absolutely right. (laughs) It's absolutely proportionate, but do you want it to be proportionate is what I'm trying to get at. Right, right. Thank you for the correction, though. And if if you did want it to be proportionate, why wouldn't you just buy that REIT, right? Well, yes. and that's part of the argument is if you've read some of the articles out there, I know Mark Seed at um, my own advisors written quite a few, um, basically saying, "Hey, the top four or five REITs in Canada are the biggest. Save yourself the point six cost management fee, yeah. management fee, and just buy those top four or five holdings in." the whatever proportion you feel is appropriate for their, their size. Right. And, and right. that's a totally valid argument. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah. yeah. So account you are in, in
1: XRE. Yes, so I am in XRE, but I also own individual reads. <laughs> <laughs> and you're okay with paying the 0.6 for XRE. Uh,
2: yeah. So the rule that I have in my wife's TFSA is it's all index. Okay. So you wanted to get her some real estate. I wanted to get her some real estate exposure. <laughs> and you couldn't so, break the rule. And I couldn't break the rule. So I had to buy <laughs> some XRE. My portfolio is a cluster bomb of whatever I feel like at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where mine's at, too. But yeah. And I, again, I mean, I think this, uh, I want to bring up the diversity thing again with like the different types of REITs, but the different locations as well. Like I own a Novalis, which is in France and Germany. Right. And, is it a Canadian know, like, reit or? It's a Canadian reit, but right. that's that's where the properties are. So and it like would if, be in XRE. May it it might be. I'm not sure if it is or not. Yeah. But it's again, it's also a smaller reit, so it gets less exposure, and it has you know less. You you, you never really hear about it. But at current prices that have been absolutely hammered, it's yielding like 14. percent Right which is outrageous and obviously not sustainable long-term. But if you actually look at the underlying assets and the underlying leases, they're still going to keep getting rent. It's all major companies that haven't had big problems with any of their supply chain or any of their sales.
0: Right. You can feel relatively comfortable about it. Now, from the index perspective, I, I also hold a number of individual positions, but I'm looking at it from a different point of view now where I don't have enough cash available to start uh, a whole position and because most of the REITs are in my TFSA, I can't put any more money in there. (laughs) So it's like, why would I go and buy 10 shares of RIOCAN in a totally separate account and incur those trading costs? So for me, my thinking right now is I'll pay that 0.6% MER, but... I'll be able to put in a small amount into my quest trade and say, okay, I'm going to put $500 into XRE for March or whatever it is. Right. And then now I've, I've made it way simpler. I don't have to be in there forever, but I'm taking advantage of this downturn in the REIT market and getting in there and hoping that I don't know which one's going to recover first. And that's one of the big things too, is like I have no problem with what I hold. I'm going to keep those ones, but to gain more exposure now, Who do I know who to pick? That's the hardest thing. So I'll pay that 0.6 to have a little piece of all of them. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that's another
2: reason why my wife's TFSA is all index funds because she's not grandfathered into the same ridiculous... (laughs) cheap trading rates that I have with my other brokerage account. Right. So that's exactly it is. I don't want to pay to take small positions in a bunch of things. I'd rather just buy one index fund and not have the
0: trading costs. Right. Yeah. And you're going to basically, hopefully lower your risk as well. Yes. So if we were to come up with some sort of uh, FI garage goal, because, uh, Hey, it's just our goal at the moment. How much, (laughs) how much are you going to, if you had a $100,000 portfolio, hypothetically, how much would you put into a, into a read index? Can I guess the accountant's answer? No, no, no. You got to have your own answer. <laughs> no, I, th- I wanna guess it's more
1: fun to guess the accountant's answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like he's, over he's not,
1: 75. No, he's 90% with 10% <laughs> banks. <laughs>
0: hey, now, I'm not that bad. Well, I guess we should... Basically, say is like you. Sh- well, maybe you work the numbers backwards, right? You look at your your Canadian your Canadian allocation mm-hmm. of, of your hundred K, right? Of one hundred percent of your let's just call it one hundred percent of your portfolio. It's easier, yeah. right? It's obvious, but numbers a number. You know, you've got your Canadian allocation, which it's going to be anywhere from twenty to thirty to forty percent. A lot of people have a lot of home home bias. Home right? bias, yeah. And then you should be probably putting in 30 percent U.S. Yeah, right. And then you got to have some European and international, and maybe yep. emerging. But aren't we supposed and, to have and more? Emerging? Aren't we supposed to have more U.S. than Canadian? Well, that, do you think we all do? People no, could I'm, argue that. I'm pretty yeah. sure I don't, and it's probably <laughs> a mistake. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 30, 30, 30 is probably okay for a lot of people. But whatever. Sure. Well, we're not here trying to decide what it should be. But what I'm saying no. is, don't forget at the end of all those dividing that all that up, that oh hey, you can fit some. Read exposure
1: in there as well. So here's a question. Should I have more read exposure than you guys since I don't own a property? That's a good question. That is a good question. I would personally personally say yes, but we all know I'm biased towards real estate. (laughs) Right. But the (laughs) counter argument would be, well, actually your property is tied to one location. So it's really not that similar to a REIT.
0: Well, and it has- That is the argument. Yeah. There's a lot of risk in having one location, property in one location.
1: So, but- I mean, I probably should have more REIT having no ownership anywhere.
0: I would, well, I would think so because that gives you the real estate exposure. You know, I, I, it's kind of hard, right? Because a lot of times when people like, when you buy your primary residence, you're buying for mortgage pay down and, ca- and your property appreciation. You're not getting any cash flow from where you live. Right. right? You've mm-hmm. just, you've Unless- just got it. A- Unless you do it right. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> we're not getting into that. But I mean you just you just bought a you've just bought an inflation hedge is all you've done. And a place to live. That's an expensive inflation hedge. <laughs> well what what it's it, what it is. A risky one cash too. <laughs> so yeah, if you did not own I, I don't know I don't know if that's a good question actually, is if you're a renter or an owner, should the proportion of your percentage of REITs in your portfolio be different? Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily true. I don't think
2: necessarily. I mean, I I think it goes back to being what you're comfortable with. But I mean, I would say, think about at least having 10% in reads.
1: You know, some, pe- some people would say, doesn't matter. Just put it all in the market, right? Yeah, that's totally true so, as well. Some people would be happy with 0% in REITs.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And your point to that is, you know, you talk about they are great for cash flow. Yeah. But if you're in a growth growth part of your journey, because you're not going to see a lot of capital appreciation from a REIT. Depending on the REIT, though, as yeah. well. Yeah. But I also mean,
1: depending on when you buy it, you might get lucky if you start your REIT journey today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But, but it's just luck. It's generally more of a cash flow play. It is generally, yes. Right? But so there's
2: there's a lot of good REITs that are yielding between four and five percent. They've seen decent, you know, one to two percent price appreciation, and they generally grow their dividends ten to fifteen percent.
0: Yeah, this is where I would argue that having uh, your drip set up for REITs is more valuable than taking the cash flow. A lot of times, yeah, right. You're, but you look like, at like
2: you look at something like Granite and like. Granite Reef is a dividend rock star like it increases consistently every year. It's dividend, its payout ratio is minuscule. It's got an increasing share price like yeah. But I mean that's also I feel like one thing we haven't talked about that we should bring up is like a lot of people go after REITs because of really high yields.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Which I know all of them are high yielding outrageously right now. Yeah. Just due to the price drop, but if you look at the payout ratio on some of those, there's no way the dividend's sustainable. So you're subject right. to dividend cuts or, you know, some of them you look at and it's like, all right, well, it's a 98% payout ratio. So they're not going to have any cash to be able to reinvest into the business.
0: So you can't expect that dividend to increase anytime soon. Right. And if they have to sell a property to, um, to pay for everything, then that's changed their net asset value, which is going to drop their share price substantially. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot going on there, and I think basically the conclusion we can come to, as usual, <laughs> is, is to the, that we're no help. We're no help. <laughs> yeah, we've talked ourselves in a circle again. But no, is using the index right, and that it's going to insulate you to a point from all those individual issues that that might crop up. Right. Sure. Yeah. If you're happy paying the expense, but right. I mean. Right, you don't you don't have much choice. There's there's three Canadian. There might have, I hope there's not more than three, but there's three from what I can remember right now. Yeah, I can't think if anybody else has another one or not. Not I that th- I've seen, anyway. I was thinking ten percent is probably reasonable, somewhere between five and ten. Right percent. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, and and what
1: percent Bitcoin again? <laughs> oh, I thought that was I thought it was the
0: other ninety. <laughs> It was interesting to listen to an online uh, fireside discussion with uh, Jeff Booth, who's the author of what was it called? Do you remember what it was it called? Chasing Tomorrow, Chasing something like that. He was a
2: really big proponent of Bitcoin, and I wanted to find a way to hack it, unmute myself, and
0: yell at him. <laughs> well, I don't think he was. I don't think he was a proponent of um bitcoin he, he was, was saying you should have like 10 or 20% of your portfolio no, in freaking bitcoin he said no, he said, did he said not. 5 if uh-huh. you were here i'd slap you if he was here i'd slap him <laughs> the price of tomorrow mm. yes i just looked it up too yeah yeah, yeah yeah the price of tomorrow it sounded like an interesting read to be perfectly honest with you and, but yeah, i know uh, it did sound interesting but still yeah, get okay. off the bitcoin wagon <laughs> all right well we don't yeah. even know that that's the cryptocurrency that's going to succeed Anyway, right. well, tune in next week for the accountants rant on <laughs> cryptocurrencies. That's pretty much every week. Can we just have you do your own? Like, I episode? thought you had a segment. I, we should have. No, we did segment. one That's episode. There was there was a segment. One <laughs> the episode, the accountants' hot take. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. yes.
1: You want to go yeah. for it? <laughs>
2: uh,
0: I don't think we have time left on the Zoom call for me to be able to get <laughs> into. Well, you know, hey, uh, shout out to Zoom because I've been using it a lot to connect with family and it's a great way to do it and uh, recording these. So I think it's a huge shout out to them for giving us these free 40 minutes to do these recordings. And yeah, uh, yeah it's pretty awesome. It is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's uh, I mean, their
0: business has got to be booming with everybody not being
2: able to go see each other. Yeah. Big yeah, ups.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, and I so we use uh, we've used Slack before. For online collaborations as well, and apparently they are doing very very well. You look at their stock price they've been uh, climbing that right. was a slack. victoria creation slack it was victoria i didn't realize that okay yep
1: interesting. Uh, Zoom also has had a little nice go of it here. Oh, I bet they have the january twenty fourth seventy three dollars uh, today one forty six. Well, oh, not bad if you're picking stocks. So not everything's down. <laughs> not,
2: there
0: you <laughs> apparently go. Apparently yeah. not. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. All right. So, well, we learned a little bit more about REITs today, and you know, I'm I'm sure our listeners will have lots of questions as usual because it's not it's not a super simple topic, but it's something to consider if you haven't if you haven't got those in your portfolio and you're interested in them. There's some reading and research to be done there, and uh, there's some easy ways to do it, like we said with the, the three different. Index funds that you can buy in your Canadian account in your tax sheltered Canadian accounts.
2: Yep, great way to generate a little bit of cash flow. How's that uh, Hawaiian IPA? It's delicious. Yeah? yeah, it looks like you got one of the big bottles. No, it's
0: just a regular size bottle. So with all this beer delivery just going have around, tiny hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, with all this beer delivery going around, I was amused. I got a text from another friend, uh, listener of the show, and he goes. Wow, it's was a little surprised my beer delivery was over $200, but he'd ordered 24 of the 650 mil bottles by accident. So. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a- after, after you told me that, I made sure I didn't do that. Yeah. All right, thanks for listening. Until next time.
2: Farewell. Stay inside. Stay inside. <laughs>